Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's the Messiah. That's the great, mighty God laying there in a manger. And that's how he came into the world, in such humble circumstances. And then you would think, well, the great announcement that has been looked forward to for thousands of years surely will be made as a blaze across the sky in Jerusalem. And all of Jerusalem, especially the religious leaders, will all be given their own private announcement by angels coming to them and singing to them, This is the Messiah. And instead, what happens? Shepherds, the lowliest of people. Shepherds, the lowest occupation. Dirty shepherds out there in in, in fields with all the messiness of taking care of animals out there at night, protecting their animals. And to them, God says, perfect congregation, and he makes the great announcement there, as it says in, in Luke 2, 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward them, toward men. What an announcement. This is the Messiah. And, the, and, 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 and God says, these shepherds will be the ones that I will announce this to. And he says, unto you, to the shepherds, is born this day. Unto you. Unto you, shepherds, was the fulfillment of unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Unto you, shepherds. And the shepherds must have looked at each other and said, unto us? Not unto the rabbis, not unto the priests, but unto us a child is born? Unto us a son is given? Yes, and he is Messiah, Christ. He is Messiah, 
unto you is born Messiah, who is God, the Lord, Christ the Lord, Messiah, God, the Messiah God is born unto you. And the shepherds look at each other and they say to themselves, I can't believe it. Did you see that? And then without any discussion, they immediately respond and they run and they go say, and, and, and they're not told the address of where this is, but they go into the city. He's born. He's in a manger. He's got to be in a barn. Barn to barn. They go. They search. They look. They find. Until finally they come to the, to the one and say, here it is. We found him. And they have such a joy like those in John 1. It says, we have found him of whom Moses and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth. And they realize we have the Messiah. We have the Messiah who was given since the day that our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, was, was the hope of Israel, was the promised one, was the one who was looking for it. We have him before us. And what do they do? They worship. They bow and they worship. That was how God introduced his Messiah into the world, just that way. And God chose every circumstance. God chose the barn. God chose the manger. God chose the shepherds. God chose every circumstance so that it would be perfect, exactly what he wants. Because it says in Philippians 2, he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he started out his life as a babe in a manger, as the Messiah, as the sent one. And as he goes through life, he continues the same pattern. He says, I am meek and lowly in heart. He's not proud and arrogant. He says, I'm meek and lowly in heart. Learn of me. And we learn of him from the beginning in Christmas when we see him born in a manger and, and laid in a manger. When we see him that way, we learn of him. That's how God is. God is humble. God hates arrogancy. He hates pride. And then he goes on, and he's got one purpose in life. And there's all one other prophecy so important about the Messiah. And you knew this prophecy being Jewish, because you read, and as you read this, you understood this is also the Messiah. And this prophecy is the greatest prophecy of all about him in the book of Isaiah. Not just describing his titles, although that's important. Not just describing who is going to be his mother, although that's important. Not just describing his purpose of bringing us Iman Uel, in other words, Emmanuel, of bringing us to togetherness with God. But then you read in Isaiah how he was going to do this, and that's Isaiah 53. And as you read this, the first thing you understand is that not everybody believes this because it starts off by saying, who has believed this? Who has believed this report? And then you realize as you read further it's not just a case of me sitting down or going to some seminary or some school to try to learn my way into this belief. But you realize as you read further, this is a matter of God revealing this to me. 
in Isaiah 53, 1. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And then as you read more, you realize that, yes, this is the one who is born of a virgin. This is the one who is the seed of the woman from Genesis 3. And this is the one who grows up now. And it says in Isaiah 53, 2, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form. He has no comeliness. How did he look? All babies are beautiful, but how did he look in a barn laid in a manger? Not much form, not much comeliness, even at his birth. Then you read that the response of the Jewish people is going to be when they see him, they're going to say, there's no beauty in him that we should desire him. That's not the Messiah that we were expecting, but that's the Messiah that God sent. And then you will read the reaction of the Jewish people in Isaiah 53.3 when it describes that he's going to be despised. He's going to be looked down upon. He's going to be rejected of men. He will present himself and they will say, no, we don't choose him. And you realize this is setting the stage for John 3.11. He came unto his own and his own rejected him. His own received him not. And then you read on further, and you realize that I'm reading about the great bloody conflict now from Genesis 3 when it describes him as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and that the Jewish people's response will be, we can't look at him. We hid, as it were, our faces from him because he was despised, and we saw no value in him at all. And then, as you read further, you'll realize, oh, but this was a purpose And the purpose was that he was going to bear our griefs. He's going to bear my grief. He's going to carry our sorrows. He's going to carry my sorrows, your sorrows. Even though when we look at him, we're going to say, it's God who is afflicting him. It's God who is is smiting him, striking him. And as we look at that, then we go on further to say, we see his wounds. We see his wounds. These were the wounds in Zechariah that one of the Jewish persons is going to say, what are those wounds in your hands? And he's going to respond, and he's going to say, those are they that I, with who I was wounded in the house of my friends. But from Isaiah 53, the wounds that are described there are described for the purpose they were for our transgressions. And the bruises that are described there are for our iniquities. And then you realize that every time he was beaten, we were healed. With his stripes, we're healed. And then when you read further, you say, all we like sheep have gone astray. And you say, yes, I've done that. I've done that in my life. I've gone astray. I've walked away from God. I wanted to live an independent life from God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We walked away from God. Yes, I did that. You will say that. And then you say, we've turned everyone to his own way. Yes, what felt good was what I wanted to do, not what God wanted to me to do. That's me. And then you realize that it says that for all of that independentness, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That was the iniquity of us all. Independence from God. 
And then as you read more, you read about the details of this bloody struggle that was given in Genesis 3 when it says he was oppressed and he was afflicted. And he didn't open his mouth. Why didn't he open his mouth? Because he came to die. Because he came to suffer. Because he came for the Lord to lay on him the iniquity of us all. So he is not going to protest. And later on in his life, he'll say, what shall I say? Father, deliver me from this hour. For this purpose came I into the world. So he opens not his mouth. And he's brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He looks like a lamb. He's quiet, he's silent, he's trusting as those slaughter him. And then it says, he, he, it was so unjust. He was taken from prison, he was taken from judgment. He didn't, he wasn't even married, didn't have any children, there's gonna be no offspring. He is cut off out of the land of the living. And you scratch your head and you say, why, 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 why? And the explanation comes in Isaiah 53, 8. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And it goes on to describe his purity. There was no deceit in his mouth. He tricked no one. There was no violence at all in, his, in, in, in him. He did no violence, not at all. He could stand before his accusers and say, which of you convinceth me of sin? Silence. No one had anything to say against him. But then you read something which is absolutely astounding when it says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And you wonder, how could it please God to bruise a person who has never sinned, who is absolutely pure, who is absolutely altogether lovely? How could it please God to do this to him, this horrible death? How could it be that he put him to grief, that God put him to grief? Why is that possible? And then you read the words, when you personally, each one, will make his soul your offering for your sin, for your guilt, when you do that, then God will look at you and say, child of God, the Lord will see his seed. He will look at you and he will say, you are doing my pleasure. You are doing my pleasure. The pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He will look at you and he will say, everlasting life, eternal life. Everlasting father giving everlasting life. He shall prolong his days. And as you read that, you realize the choice is before me. This one who was born in a manger now has become the crossroad in my life. I either choose him and go with him in life, or I reject him and continue on my path of independence from God. The choice is right there. If thou wilt make his soul your offering for sin. It all has come down to this in Isaiah 53.10. And then it goes on, and it describes God looking and seeing travail, travail of his soul. And the father saying, I'm satisfied. It's enough. The suffering that he has gone through is enough for every sin of the world that was ever committed. Every sin. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And this is the great knowledge of God. The great knowledge of God is that this one, this Messiah, 
who is the righteous servant, the only one who's ever been called the righteous servant. This Messiah, the righteous servant, he is the justifier of the ungodly. So shall my righteous servant justify many. How? He shall bear their iniquities by bearing their sins. You read this, and then you begin to understand. And now I want you to put yourself in the position of one priest, Simeon. Simeon. Because it's so remarkable when you look at Simeon and what happens with him. He's very, very old, and he, like you, has been reading all of these scriptures. All of these scriptures. And what we read in Luke 2 is it says here, Behold, there was, in Luke 2.25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He had read these scriptures. He had read them in Genesis 3. He had read them in Isaiah 53. He had read them in Isaiah 7. He had read them in Isaiah 9. And this caused there to be a anticipation, an expectation, a longing described as a waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was there waiting. He was hoping. And it says the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, before he had seen the Lord's Messiah the Lord's Messiah, it was revealed to him. Just like it says in Isaiah 53, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To Simeon in a temple that he would not see death until he saw God's Messiah, the sent one. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, can you picture that? The parents come in. Simeon realizes, this is what God promised to me. I would not die until I saw the Lord's Messiah. And he takes up God's Messiah in his arms. And he realizes, and he says, Lord, now let us thy servant, let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. He's holding God's Messiah in his arms. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He understands God's Messiah is God's salvation. Salvation from sin, salvation by, he, this is gonna be the one that's going to bear all of those terrible things in Isaiah 53. And he says, wherefore thou, uh, which thou hast prepared before the face of all thy people. He's holding God's Messiah, and he says, I am holding who the one who God prepared to be the Savior. And he says, this is what he's prepared him for, a light to lighten the Gentiles, a light to lighten the Gentiles. Almost everybody in this room is a Gentile. You've all come to Jesus, the light of the world, because Simeon said, the light of the light in the Gentiles is in my arms right now. This is the Lord's Messiah. He's a light to lighten the Gentiles. Sam and Betsy labored down in Amazon. There are Amazonians today who have come to the light to lighten the Gentiles because Simeon said, I'm holding in my arms the Lord's Messiah, a light to lighten the Gentiles. 
And then he goes on to say, and the glory of thy people, Israel. Israel. There's one thing that unites all Jews today, sadly to say. All Jews reject the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes a Jew a Jew. Because a Jew is not a Christian, this is what they say, and a Christian is somebody who, who, who worships Christ, worships the Lord Jesus Christ. They have rejected their glory because Simeon said, no, what I, who I am holding in my hand is the glory of your people, Israel. But that's not going to remain for very long. And that's going to change because God is going to restore Israel. And then it says that Joseph and his mother marveled at those things that were spoken of him. In other words, they themselves also You might say that not everything was revealed to them as much as was revealed to Simeon. And they marveled to those things. And then Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child, and again, you see him picturing, he's holding the child, the Lord's Messiah. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. He's a stumbling block. Those who are going to stumble at him will be ground to powder, but also he is also there for the rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken of. And then Simeon says, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now he's speaking of the violence. The violence that was spoken about when God first made the prediction about the Messiah in Genesis 3. The violence that is all in the Isaiah 53. There will be this battle, but he will come out victorious. That's how he's going to be for the rising again of many in Israel. That was Christmas. That's how it all was. The great announcement, the announcement of joy, which shall be for all people and the sending forth of the good tidings that the angel said, these are good tidings. And then after the shepherds saw the Lord as a baby, they ran out abroad and told everyone, setting the pattern for what we should do with Christmas. Christmas is not just a holiday for us to sort of gather together, close our doors, build our walls, and say we enjoy Christmas. Christmas is a time to Give the light to lighten the Gentiles, to lighten the world. Give the light to the Jewish people also because he is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and no person comes to the Father except by him. Thank God for the day when God decided to send the Messiah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the great our great Messiah, and that he was born, and how we rejoice in that today. And Lord, we pray that the thoughts, Lord, your thoughts about the Messiah would dwell in us and find, Lord, that we have great joy also as we dwell on him, the Lord Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 